It's time for Ruining Seinfeld, the only show that asks, what's the deal with that? Get ready to pour over the excruciating minutia of every single daily event of four morons sitting around an apartment whining about their dates. Here are your hosts, John and Adam. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ruining Seinfeld. My name is John. And I'm Adam. Today, we're going to be talking about the third episode from season one, The Stakeout. The air date was May 31st, 1990. It was written by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld and directed by Tom Sharonis. The number one movie at the box office this week, Back to the Future 3, starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. From out of the west, in a cloud of dust, a thunder of hooves, and a mighty... Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. Marty and Doc go back one more time. Back to the Future, Part 3. And the number one song on the Hot Billboard 100 chart, Vogue by Madonna. Adam, you ready to take this boiler out for a shakedown? Let's hit it. Well, I figure we can get started out with the stand-up. Men and women and checks. So I'm online at the supermarket. <laughs> Two women in front of me. One of them, her total was $8. The other, $3. They both, of course, choose to pay by the use of the... Check. 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 Now, <laughs> the fact is, if it is a woman in front of you that's writing out the check... You will not be waiting long. I have noticed that women are very fast with checks, you know, because they write out so many checks. The keys they can never find in their purse. They don't know where that is. But the checkbook, they got that. They never fumble for the checkbook. They've got The checkbook comes out of a holster. Who do I make it out to? There's my ID. There's something about a check that, to a man, is not masculine. I don't know exactly what it is. I think, to a man, a check is like a note from your mother that says, I don't have any money, but if you'll contact these people, I'm sure they'll stick up for me. If you could just trust me this one time. I don't have any money, but I have these. I wrote on these. Is this of any value at all? So, if you listened last week, I was talking about the difference between saying in line somewhere and online. And that's where he starts this again. I'm online at the supermarket. It's just, it's still throwing me off. Yeah. I I, th- I think it is a New York thing. I don't think that's, gotta be. you know, I'm, I, I've never, never heard it anywhere else. I'm I, everywhere I've ever been. It's in line. Are you in line? Are you in line? Are you in line? Hey, I'm online here. I don't, I've never heard that before. So. And, you, you know, last week we talked about things dating the show. This stand-up really goes, you know, into writing checks. And I don't know about you, but I probably write like two or three checks a year. And every time I do, it's I'm confused. I don't know what to do anymore. I My hand hurts a little bit. You know, every once in a while, it'll pop up having to write a check. And it's just it's the worst experience ever. 
Yeah, he says that women are fast with writing checks because they write so many. And I'm like, are they really writing that many? I mean, back in the 80s, maybe? I I think it was a thing. I mean, I remember working like a retail job and, and people would write checks all the time. And you had to get the ID. You had to get their phone number. You had to put all this stuff. And it was just a hassle. But I, I remember my my mom doing it quite a bit, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really remember my mom using checks that often. Yeah, I mean, I remember even writing checks at, like, the grocery store. Like, it's just a, a real random thing now. He says it's not very masculine to carry a checkbook around, but we're not all carrying clowns with balloons designs, you know? <laughs> some some moron bounced a clown check. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's a pretty good bit if you lived in that time, but the the thing I pulled out of the the opening stand-up bit, this might be Jerry's worst blazer that he wears ever. I, I urge you guys to go out and look at this episode. It's like, it looks like something that glows under a black light. It's just a black, like, wool blazer with white speckles everywhere. It's horrendous. He has an oven mitt that kind of matches that in one of the later episodes. And I'm thinking, I wonder if he took this blazer and had oven mitts made out of it because he liked the blazer so much. It could be. You know, I had to ask my wife, what color is the shirt that he's wearing? Because that is a, and she's like, whoa. <laughs> she's like, I think it's turquoise with like yeah. that matching tie. And I the was whole like, thing yeah. is just glowing. But I was going to say, can we assume that maybe women are so fast at writing checks because back when Jerry was younger, they were usually in charge of like going to the grocery store and doing everything. The man was at work doing the manly thing and the woman did all the shopping and did all the bill paying and did all that stuff. So maybe they were just like, yeah, bam, just bam, 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 bam. Yeah, they're just really good with it. And debit cards weren't a huge thing. Like credit cards weren't like you weren't going to go spend $50 at the grocery store on credit cards if you didn't have right. to. Yeah, you know? no, I think that's a, a good point. How about the way he raises his hands over his head to insinuate that he's doing the twirling him? Like, dude, have you ever watched a Western? I don't think uh, <laughs> I don't think John Wayne's going twirling him above his head, Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah. And the idea of a even if you really think about and here we're digging into the weeds, but the idea and the, the purpose behind a check, right? It's just a piece of paper that literally you can go to a store and just buy anything for. And they don't find out if you have enough money in your account until some indeterminate amount of time afterwards. Yeah, it and could be a week, two weeks, you know, I never know. Maybe it catches up to you eventually for writing bad checks. But I mean, a small, like short-term grift is really possible there. Yeah, you're going to be pissing off the wrong people and finally someone's going to catch up to you. It burned. <laughs> it's gone. Oh, dear. <laughs> so the first scene of the episode takes place in a video store. And I don't think it's Champagne Video Store yet. Shout out to Champagne Video Store on Instagram. Yeah, One I don't think it shows the exterior. We just see it right. Them looking for videos. What's that one? Cocoon 2, The Return. I guess they didn't like it up there. Maybe they came back for Chinese food. You know Maureen Stapleton, she gets a craving. She's probably screaming at those aliens. I gotta have a low mane. <laughs> okay, what are we doing here? I 
have seen everything. Oh, yeah? I don't believe you've seen this. Oh, uh -huh. lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think their parents think? So, uh, what's your son doing now, Dr. Stevens? Oh, he's a public fornicator. <laughs> yes, he's a fine boy. You know what? This would be a really funny gift for Pamela's birthday. Pamela, do I know her? Yeah, you met her when we were going out. Oh, yeah, right. You have no idea who I'm talking about, do you? No. <laughs> Blonde hair, remember? Glasses. Have you totally blocked out the entire time we were a couple? Riverside Drive. Right. In fact, no, never mind. Well, what is it? Well, a bunch of people are getting together tomorrow night at some bar for her birthday, but you don't want to go to that now. Wait a second, wait a second. We could work out a little deal here. What little deal? I will go to that. You go with me to the little family wedding I have on Saturday. A wedding? Have you lost it, man? You know, my parents are coming in for this. They're coming in? Yeah, tomorrow. Hey, did your father ever get that hair weave? No, no. Still doing the big sweep across. Why does he do that? Doesn't think anyone can tell. <laughs> so come on, we have a deal. A wedding? There's a lot of people to mock. <laughs> All right, what the hell? Great. When you're dead, you're dead. That's it. You're not going anywhere. Found it kind of funny the adult videos were in the same section as the rest of the videos. Okay, so yeah, this is... I had a, a major gripe with this one because since when are the adult videos in those giant boxes out out in the middle of the regular aisle and not behind the CD curtain that you always tried to kind of get a glimpse into? Yeah, see, I remember we had a video store down the road from us called Video World, and I'd always, like, see, like, the shadiest dudes walking into that room, and I'm like, what's in that room? Because it didn't say anything. It didn't say adult. It just had the curtain and i was like i went to go in there and the lady's like not for you not for you and i was just like okay all right no problem but yeah, the curtain or the beads like yeah kind of just seedy mystical place as a kid you're just maybe i can just catch a quick glimpse and then in the late 90s i went to work at blockbuster and we didn't have that kind of thing there there was nothing like that the closest thing you got were the red shoe diaries or something like that. It was like maybe sure. some sidle, some frontal, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing. It's a, it's a film really. Yeah. It's more like Rochelle Rochelle. You're not getting any it's not Caligula. That video store looked a little bit cramped. That was a small video store. It is. The funny thing I, I took from this is, you know, Elaine and, and Jerry are talking about going to her friend Pamela's birthday party and he has no recollection of who Pamela is. And as the, the brain is churning, he finally hits her with the Riverside Drive. And the only thing I always think about when you say Riverside Drive in Seinfeld context is the lopper. Elaine <laughs> uh, holds up Cocoon 2, The Return, and they start talking about that. And I can't help but thinking that I just found out that Paul Rudd is the same age that Wilford Brimley was in Cocoon. Oh, geez. Yeah. Does that make you think? <laughs> Paul Rudd, he doesn't age, though. He's looked the same since Clueless. Yeah, he's a, 
He's a timeless wonder. I never saw her wear jeans, really. Not that I've yeah, noticed. I feel like she wears jeans a few. We'll have to keep track. I feel like she does in the earlier seasons, but definitely gets away from it. Yeah, like I, there's a lot of things I want to keep track of in this, like just the most random things, because that's kind of what we're going after anyway, is the most random things that are happening. And we're not going to be able to pick out too many wrong things. So we might as well just pick out everything, you know? Right. We'll hear about some more unseen characters, Jerry's family members who are getting married. He's like, I'll go with you to that if you go with me to a little family wedding. <laughs> Elaine's like, have you lost your mind, man? <laughs> and they talk about Morty. Obviously, Morty isn't Barney Martin yet because she mentions him getting a hair weave. And then Jerry talks about, nope, he's just still doing the big swoop over. He thinks people can't tell. Then you see those two ladies and they walk down off the step into the thing. The first visual gaffe that we really get on the show is them walking off of the set. When you're dead, you're dead. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> to me, that's that's like you can't over die. You can't over dry. It's the only thing I think of every time I see that. <laughs> the next scene takes place at the bar that Elaine mentions in the first scene. Come on, let's go. Come on. Was I supposed to bring something? You could have. I met him one time. It was not necessary. What did you say? Hi. Hi, Pamela. You remember Jerry? Hi. Yes, we met. Happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> um, everybody, this is Jerry and Elaine. Hi. Hi. I didn't bring anything. <laughs> uh, I put you two right here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know what's you know, here. Nobody's told me anything about it. A tip you think it would take to get him to stop? I'm in for five. I'll supply the hat. Uh oh, what do we have here? Why don't you relax and take your jacket off? Oh, I can't. I uh, have a tendency to get chilly. <laughs> How masculine. Plus, I'm wearing short sleeves. I don't want to expose my tattoos. <laughs> She's unbelievable. Hey, this guy says he knows Bricker. Oh, you know Bricker? From where? What's going on here? Gotta be a boyfriend. She's too good to be alone. What's the difference? I can't maneuver anyway with Elaine next to me. How do you know Pamela? Uh, a friend of a friend. And you? We went to law school together. Oh, Jerry! Oh, no. Not now. <laughs> I had this dream last night, and you were in it. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. I gotta get out of this. You were you, but you weren't you. No kidding. Why is this happening? Please, make her stop. I think, I think we were in my house where I grew up and you were standing there. You were looking out the window. This is brutal. You turned around and you had these wooden teeth. How do you like that? Can I turn now? Is this over? No, I can't. I can't. I'm stuck. Jerry. Are you listening to me? Yes, I heard you. Elaine, what's the name of that jewelry store you took me to that time? Thank you, Pamela. So you're a lawyer. Sagman Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and Tap. Sagman Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and Tap. Sagman Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and Tap. <laughs> of course, they handle my tattoo removal lawsuit. Oh, that was you. Imagine, spelling mom with two O's. <laughs> Very funny. What do you do? Comedian. Really? 
that explains it. Simon Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and Tap. Simon Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and Tap. Oh, you ready? We gotta run. Happy birthday. Bye, everyone. Thanks for coming. Bye. I can't believe it. We've got nothing. I don't even know her name. Simon Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and Tap. Simon Bennett Robbins, Oppenheim and this doesn't look like any bar I've ever seen. This looks like a fancy restaurant. It looks like a hotel lobby, in my opinion, like a, a hotel lobby bar. And can I just, as an aside, can I just say this This is the lamest birthday party I've ever seen. You have this real quiet piano player, and you have this long medieval table with these high back chairs, and everybody has their assigned seats. And then you're just supposed to just talk to the people next to you. Like it's that Pamela's birthday party is awful. Well, that's why Elaine got her the porno, I guess, to maybe like <laughs> spice it up a little bit. I was thinking, what kind of gift is that? And then you just you really hit the nail on the head, I guess. Like she's like a square, I guess, and she's like, here, let's maybe this will maybe this will loosen her up a little bit. But but yeah, it's like everybody's got a drink, and that's about it. There's no food on the table yet. After a few moments, what's her face, Vanessa, and her cousin leave, and nobody's eating anything that i can see they just jerry and elaine just got there and they were sitting right next to pamela she's like i put you right here right next to me so there's been no seats there for how long you know yeah and I, it doesn't look like a dinner party and if i ever go to a, a quote-unquote party if that's what you can call this and there's assigned seats and everybody's just sitting at a table i'm looking to bail quick no i i totally agree i'm i am not a fan of going to a party at a restaurant you know what I mean? Like, oh, we're meeting at TGI Fridays for Jim's birthday party. No. No, we're not. Okay, I'll stop by for a few minutes. But okay, because I, one, you're going to get stuck paying into a bill and into tipping and into all this other stuff with all these people. And they're like, what did you have? I'm like, I didn't have anything. I tried telling you I wasn't having anything. I'll come and say hi. I had a mozzarella stick, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any dip with that? I did not have a Coke. Oh, he didn't have a Coke. But Jerry asks Elaine, should I have brought something? Why would Jerry bring anything? He didn't why even did, remember her. Why did Jerry bring anything? Yeah, he didn't even remember her in the first place. I don't even give gifts for people I like or know. You know what I mean? The kids no. are getting their gifts at this point. Yeah, gift giving is is done. Back to Elaine handing Pamela the porno tape. Like, here's your gift. I would have loved to seen Pamela just open that in front of all those stuffy conservative people at the table. Who knows what the actual tape was? Also, it doesn't look like she got her an actual real present. Just that porno tape. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on here? I didn't see any other gifts on the table either. You know how look, during a party or something, you'll see like a bunch of bags or a bunch of presents or something stacked up. I didn't yeah, see I anything. This, this whole thing is just very, it's very weird. Yeah, I know we're I know we're we're picking at nits here, but like that's the that's our job. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so the the piano player starts playing and it's a little bit loud and and she says, How much do you think it'll get for him to stop? And Jerry says, I'm in for five. What, to get the guy to stop doing his job? They're gonna give him five dollars and that's gonna be enough to appease this dude to stop <laughs> Yeah, and then Vanessa says, I'll supply the hat. Like how condescending. What does that even mean? Like the, the guy on the street corner has a hat, so you throw that money in the hat? 
Yeah, and I'm sure the piano guy's got like a, a nice snifter or something on the corner of the piano for a tip. Like, he has the, gonna... the really big brandy glass full of dollar yeah. bills over there. Yeah, yeah, you're going to toss that and just move a hat and say, hey, dude, beat it. And anyway, that's not chipping in either. She'll supply the hat. That's not chipping in any money. That's not how much do you think it'll be. Like, to me, that's like, what? what's the deal there? Yeah, she's definitely in my list of one of the worst people that anybody dates on the show in general. And it doesn't really show up too much in this episode, but we'll see it in a couple episodes on the stock tip. There's not too many redeeming qualities with Miss Vanessa. There's not. Yeah. And Jerry says, oh, I can't remove my jacket. I might get a little chilly. How masculine. Yeah, what kind of what kind of shaming is that? Shaming the guy because it gets cold. I, first chance I have to put on a hoodie... I'm wearing it. My flannels, I'm, they're on. Like, it, it only has to get to, like, 60 degrees, and I'm putting something on. I, it's not that I'm cold. I'm comfortable, and I want to be comfortable. But this also segues into, I think this is a great line by Jerry. Goes, and, then I, and then, you know, I can't, I'm wearing short sleeves. Don't want you to see my tattoos or however he puts it. And, I mean, that's that's really good. I hate cold weather. Does that make me not a man? Adam here, he's a man. I'm a man. <laughs> we get another unseen character, Bricker. It's got to be a nickname, right? Yeah, would, I would think so. Maybe he's just bad at playing basketball. I was just going to say, he he teams up with a chucker and you got a problem on your hands. Chucker and a bricker. Not a chucker, no brick, no chuck. I bet, well, you could probably call George a bricker too, because you know every time he chucks it, that's not going in. I, I think George is a stucker. He's the guy who throws the ball up there and it gets stuck in between oh, the, the rim and the backboard. And he's, he's got to go, go get a broom. Hangs his head like Charlie Brown and walks away. <laughs> he couldn't reach it with a broom, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Can't even. True. He's got no vert. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen him in multiple episodes. <laughs> That's the case. Pamela says, Elaine, what was the name of that jewelry store you took me to? Like super loud and like there's no reason to be that loud in that restaurant. Let's keep adding on to the lame birthday party with real lame conversation. Jerry finds out what the name of Vanessa's law firm is and he says, oh, they're the ones that handle my tattoo removal lawsuit. Imagine spelling mom with two O's. Vanessa's cousin finally says, we have to go because he's going back to wherever he's from. I think it's Boston. But how long have they been there? Either Jerry and Elaine showed up really late or they just left after sitting down. Yeah, I feel like this was like less of a birthday party and like more of an after work, like get together excuse that happens to be Pamela's birthday party. Yeah, and you don't hear anybody else say anything at all. And like anytime someone looks at someone, it's like very confused look. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's one of those things in these early episodes that make me not uncomfortable, but it's like eh, it's one of the reasons I don't want to watch the episode. You it's know what I mean? Too, it's too dry. Yeah, it's very just meh, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons I like the later episodes better because it's so in your face. Everything's going on. Yeah, and I don't like in this episode like Elaine trying to talk to Jerry and he's just like out of pocket being a complete jerk about it. What was he supposed to do there? Was he not supposed to say anything to anybody? Was he just there to be her like person to talk to in case she wasn't talking to somebody else? I mean, is he not supposed to talk to somebody? Yeah. And of course the next scene when 
they're taking the cab ride home. Elaine obviously has an issue with him. That wasn't so bad, really. You know, um, you could use a little work on your manners. Why? What did I do? Well, I just don't appreciate these little courtesy responses, like I'm selling you aluminum siding. I was listening. No, you couldn't wait to get back to your little conversation. No, you you were talking about the um, the the dream you had, uh -huh. where you were um, you you had wooden teeth. No, no, you had wooden teeth. You had wooden teeth. I didn't have wooden teeth. You did. All right, so I had wooden teeth. So what? So so nothing. Nothing. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, the one, the dream where you had the wooden teeth. No, no, I didn't have wooden teeth. You had wooden teeth. You had them. Okay, so I had wooden teeth. So what? So nothing. <laughs> Jerry was like cringing, like so uncomfortable in his seat trying to turn when Elaine was simply just trying to like talk to him about something. Like, I don't know, Jer that seemed kind of, Unjerry like. Well, then we get into our next stand-up. It's about platonic relationships. This is brutal. I I gotta admit, I I totally like must have blocked this out from my consciousness of remembering this little intersplice stand-up about Plato coming up with the platonic relationship. Apparently, Plato, who came up with the concept of the platonic relationship, was pretty excited about it. <laughs> he named it after himself. He said, yeah, I got this new thing. Platonic. My idea, my name, calling it after myself. <laughs> what I do is, I go out with the girls, I talk with them, don't do anything, and go right home. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's going to be big. I bet you there were other guys in history that tried to get relationships named after him, but it didn't work. <laughs> you know, I bet you there were guys that tried to do it, just went, uh, hi, uh, my name's Rico. Uh, would you like to go to bed immediately? <laughs> hey, it's a reconic relationship. It's, it's bad. I don't even know what purpose, I mean, I know what purpose it serves, right? Talking about sure. Jerry and Elaine, but then talking about other people in history trying to come up with something so that it would be named after him. And he was like the Rico, like a guy named Rico and coming up with, it's a reconic relationship. Like he could have been more clever and come up with like other famous people that sounded like another word we know of, but no, he just went with Rico and reconic. Next scene, we move into Jerry's apartment. Did you have an inventory rundown you wanted to go through? I, I did not. No, I, I thought everything looked, I mean, I'm sure that you picked up some some differences, but for the most part, it was pretty much the same as where we left off. Yeah, just a few things there. I did see that that door that you were speaking of in the hallway. So I was like, oh, yeah, there's the door Adam was mentioning. And yeah, and about that door, the last episode we talked about, you know, maybe that's the door to his bedroom. But when this episode confirms that it's not a bedroom because he goes look, parents in your bed. And then they ask him, you know, is it okay? Where are you going to stay? And he's like, I'm sleeping next door with Kramer. Hey. Ah, there he is. This is what I like. See? You come home, your parents are in your bed. <laughs> you know, Jerry, we don't have to do this. What are you talking about? It's fine. I love having you here. 
Tomorrow we'll go to a hotel. Ah, will you stop? No, why should we take over your apartment? I don't care, I'm sleeping next door. Your friend Kramer doesn't mind? No, he's making a bully base. <laughs> so, Dad, let me ask you a question. How many people work at these big law offices? Depends on the firm. Yeah, but I mean, if you called up and described someone, do you think they would know who it was? What's the matter? You need a lawyer? No, I met someone at this party, and I know where she works, but I don't know her name. So why don't you ask someone who was at the party? Nah, the only one I could ask is Elaine. I can't ask her. Why not? Because it's complicated. There's some tension there. You used to go with her. Which one is she? From Marilyn, the one that brought you the chocolate-covered cherries you didn't like? Oh, yeah. Very alert. Warm person. Oh, yeah, she's great. So how come nothing materialized there? Well, it's a tough thing to talk about. Uh, I don't know. I know what it was. You don't know what it was. So what was it? Well, we fight a lot for some reason. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> and there was a little problem with the physical chemistry. Well, I think she's a very attractive girl. Oh, she is. She absolutely is. I can see if there was a weight problem. No, it's not that. It wasn't all one-sided. You know you can't be so particular. Nobody's perfect. I know, I know. You know, Jerry, it's a good thing I wasn't so particular. <laughs> so who are you looking for, Sophia Loren? That's got nothing to do with it. How about Lonnie Anderson? Where do you get Lonnie Anderson? Why, what's wrong with Lonnie Anderson? I like Elaine more than Lonnie Anderson. What are you two talking about? Look, Elaine just wasn't the one. And this other one's the one? I don't know, maybe. So, ask Elaine there for the number. I can't. She'll get upset. I never talk about other women with her, especially this one tonight. How could you still see her if you're not interested? We're friends. You sound like you're friends to me. If you're friends, you'd, you'd ask her for the number. Do you know where this other one works? Oh, yeah. So, go up to the office. Up to her office? Go to the building. She goes out to lunch, doesn't she? Yes. So, you stand in the lobby by the elevator and wait for her to come down for lunch. You mean stake out the lobby? Morty, that's ridiculous. Just ask Elaine for the number. He doesn't want to ask Elaine for the number. So you've got him standing by the elevator like a dope. What happens when he sees her? He pretends he bumped into her. You know what? This is not that bad an idea. So he obviously doesn't... There's not a bedroom in there, so it's got to be like a linen closet or something. That's what I was thinking. Plus, be careful with that bouillabaisse at Kramer's. Yeah, and, and if, if he's sleeping at Kramer's... Does Kramer have a one bedroom? Is he bunking up with Kramer in like a the same kind of setup, like a queen sofa bed? Or maybe he doesn't have a bedroom either. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I picture all of these configurations and and Jerry, could you imagine being able to sleep in Kramer's place? Like your skin would crawl. I think back then he was probably just dealing with what he could because he seems to be still struggling. But yeah. once I think he gets to a certain point, you know. But I did notice that there's a black and white striped oven mitt on the refrigerator. There's a calendar on the wall to the right of the countertop. There's no coat rack and no coat hook. Nothing. And still no intercom. I got to mention, though, I'm so glad they changed Morty's. 
Phil Bruns as Morty Seinfeld does not compute. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's brutal. Aside from the the hair sweep that Jerry talks about, it's just it doesn't match. I mean, I love I love Helen going back to the Mrs. Achmonic days from Alf. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just the other Morty, it d- doesn't jive with me. No, and Jerry asks him, hey, Dad, how many people work at these law offices? Like, depends on the firm, depends on the company. I was like, what the hell is this guy? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And the whole, like, I have this, obviously we'll share our personality quirks or like things we get hung up on as we proceed through this whole show. But when, when he walks in and sees them in the bed, I have this like, awful flashback to like Willy Wonka and all the grandparents in the bed. Oh God. <laughs> I have a major issue with that bag of bones. Grandpa Joe. Oh God. Everybody um, does. I this, think. Is, this is the only thing I think of because they're like in their night shirts and they're in that bed. They don't get up to greet them. It's just a very, like I have a major bone to pick with that. I have this weird thing about people being in, I guess it's normal because they're pajamas and like night clothes. But like when you're spending the night at someone's house, like just wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt or something. I mean, like I get it. You're old people, but like to me, it's weird that like she's in her nightgown and he's in like these pajamas, like these silk it's, pajamas. And it's a studio apartment for God's sakes. Like, yeah, it's like, where'd they change? Like right there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't like how it's treated that Morty doesn't remember who Elaine is. Right. You know, he's like, who's that? Which one's that? That's the one from Maryland. Yeah, she brought on the chocolate covered cherries that he didn't like. Yeah. Like what a thing to remember somebody by. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that, oh, oh yeah. Very personable. Very nice girl. Like. Yeah. But she gave me a gift I hated. Yeah, exactly. How could you not remember Elaine either? Like she's very memorable. Yeah, and I, I got to think that this is like a, a fairly recent breakup. It's not like it was like going back to last week, like Hornick talked about, oh, this is Elaine. I thought you guys split up like this isn't like, oh, this is somebody from 15 years ago. Yeah, and like not getting not getting too in the weeds, but they do talk about later on. They had sex 37 times. That's not anything to sneeze at unless they were doing it like five times a day for like three weeks. You know, they talk about going to Puerto Rico together. They yeah. they were in a relationship for a while. And yeah, like, and I don't understand this whole like when, you know, the parents are grilling Jerry about why it didn't work out. And Helen kind of like looks up at him and is like, I know why. Yeah. But then when he when Jerry brings up the physical chemistry was off, it's like she's taken aback by it. Yeah. But she's I like, that's what she was alluding to. I thought so, too. She's like, I know what it was. And she's chewing on her glasses. She's like, it wasn't that. And then she's like, I could see if there was a weight problem. Like, what the hell, Helen? A weight problem. Welcome (laughs) to the late 80s. Oh, man. And she's like, he's like, she just wasn't the one. And this other girl was the one. No, Helen, that girl's not the one either. I'm sorry. Vanessa doesn't even hold a candle to Miss Bennis. We'll get into a list eventually in one of these shows about who who the least favorite boyfriends and girlfriends are. But yeah, I got to think Angela, uh, that thug, the hit and run thug. Oh, yeah, that's might true. Be, might be on the bottom of that list. Isn't he a shuck face? <laughs> <laughs> 
Jerry mentions to them that he can't ask for the number because he never talks to the lane about other women, especially this woman tonight. Yeah, I think it's more of like after Elaine obviously busted me for not behaving the best or being as polite as possible. Like I can't after that nonsense, I can't just ask her for the number. No, no, you can't. You can't just say, hey, so that girl that I was talking to, huh? you don't even know who she is, but, you know, right. Yeah. How did yeah. you not even get a name? Yeah. Like the first the first thing you do is, hi, I'm Jerry, you know. Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know. He didn't get that lady's name or what was it? Lorraine Catalano or whatever. Oh, Lorraine. This is Lorraine. But got to admit, Morty's idea about standing there and waiting for her to come out of the building is a pretty good idea. If you're a creep. (laughs) Yeah, I got to think like. I was trying to think back of this and I was like, well, for the time and age it's not like you could google the law firm and try to like find do some digging or some facebook i don't know that's i don't know that i would have the stones to do it no i think the only way to go about it is to say hey elaine is there any way you could get me so-and-so's phone number from so-and-so because that's that that's the honorable way to do it in my opinion the one thing i will say that morty makes sense is doesn't sound like your friends if you can ask her for the number because Let's face it, you should be able to ask her for the number. Just ask her, you know? If you, you don't think you can, then no chance, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think you just have to swallow it and either ask or you take the L on that one. And the next scene at the office building. What does she look like? I don't know. Hard to say. What actress uh, does she remind you of? Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> Lonnie Anderson? What, there's something wrong with Lonnie Anderson? <laughs> hey, listen, thanks again for running over here. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, sure. I was showing a condo on 48th Street. Besides, you think I want to miss this? <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Yeah, me too. If I see her, what do I say that I'm doing here in the building? Oh, you came to see me. I work in the building. What do you do? I'm an architect. <laughs> You're an architect? I'm not. (laughs) I don't see architecture coming from you. I suppose you could be an architect. (laughs) I never said that I was the architect. Just something else. So she's not even going to ask. If we see her, which is remote. But what do you want me to say? I just wandered in here? We're having lunch with a friend. He works in the building. What is his name? Bert Har. Harbinson. Bert Harbinson. Bert Harbinson. Right. It sounds made up. Okay. All right. Um, Art Core. Art Core. Valet. Core Valet? Yeah, right. What does he do? He's an importer. Just imports? No exports? He's an importer-exporter, okay? (laughs) Lane ever call you back? No, I guess she's still mad. I don't understand. You you, you never talk to her about other women? Never. Wait a second. That's her. On the right. I forgot who I am. Who am I? (laughs) You're you. We're having lunch with Art Corvillet. Vandalay. 
Corvallet. Let me be the architect. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> hey, hey, uh... Pamela's birthday party. Didn't I see you there, Jerry? Sure. Hi. Uh, this is George. I'm sorry. Vanessa. Uh, nice to meet you. Ah, Sagan, Benner, Robbins, Oppenheim, and Taft. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. What are you doing here? Oh. Uh, we're meeting a friend of ours for lunch. Works here in the building. Yeah, Art Vandelay. <laughs> Which company? I don't company, know. No. Uh, he's an importer. Importer. And exporter. He's an importer, exporter. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm an architect. Really? Yeah. Well, what do you design? Uh, railroads. Uh... I thought engineers do that. They can. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry you had to leave so early the other night. Oh, me too. My cousin had to go back to Boston. <laughs> oh, oh, that guy was your cousin. Yeah. And that woman was... Friend! <laughs> I'll just, uh, get a paper. So, um... Do you date, uh, immature men? Almost exclusively. What celebrity does she remind you of? Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson? <laughs> well, there's something wrong with Lonnie Anderson? This must have been a big Lonnie Anderson era. Well, Larry David had his sources. Sophia Loren was one. Lonnie Anderson must have been another. Yeah. <laughs> I did pick out at one point, Jerry says to George, it really means a lot that you come by. He's like, yeah, I was sh showing an office building right around the corner. And you hear this guy in the background go, there you go. It's really <laughs> random, but it's going to be, I, I guarantee it's for people, it's going to be like the, oh, my God. It's going to be just like that. <laughs> And I, I just watched this, obviously, a couple times in the past week, and I didn't pick that up. So now I got to go back and watch it. There's another thing that shows up in the couch, but I don't want to bring it up until then. I'll tell you off air, but all right, I, I'm saving it for the couch because it makes me laugh every time I hear it. But this is the first time that George references that he wants to be an architect. Yeah, I gotta. I want. We should do a deep dive, or maybe you've seen it on like notes about nothing or something. But I wonder if Larry wanted to be an architect at some point, or if his parents were pushing him towards architecture. I think his parents were pushing him towards like postman, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> like, he, like a like, civil servant. Test. Yeah, yeah. He wanted them to be a, like a mailman. Gets it. Gets a check every week. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the first time George mentions a fake name, Bert. Harbinson. Bert Harbinson. Or Art Core. Valet. I or love Valet. George's I love George's fingers with the Valet, the curl. Yeah. Also the first importer exporter reference. That's yeah, another job. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> were we just I we maybe not aware that might have been the, the up and coming gig that time is the importer exporter and the way that george scoots behind jerry when vanessa walks up how sketchy is that he's like oh. it's like that doesn't look like sketchy at all and then right before that he switches the corvalet to vandalay yeah for the vandalay, first vandalay. time yeah. <laughs> who am i you're you my, my my big thing with this is vanessa's walking off the elevator it's like there she is there she is it's like hey 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 it's like Excuse me, didn't we meet? And, uh, you look really familiar to me. That would have been like the way to do it, but I mean, 
<laughs> yeah, you go through this whole ruse, and then you're like so out in the middle of the lobby and so obvious. So I guess my question to you is, in your opinion, do you think she knows the scheme right from Jump Street, or do you think that it eventually dawns on her that he was stalking her in the lobby? I think she probably gets the gist of it when George says he's an architect, and she's like, oh, what do you design? And he's like, railroads. It's like, I thought engineers do that. They can. Yeah. Then he goes on to say, like, so do you date immature men? And I think, like, that's why I get the the impression, like, oh, she definitely knows the the jig is up at that point. Since we're talking about what a bad idea this was and the stakeout as being a bad way to get a date. This is probably a good time in the show to talk about the worst ways to get a date from the show. And we asked all of you on our social media channels to chime in and tell us all of the despicable or sleazy ways or kind of questionable ways that the characters in Seinfeld have tried to acquire a date. And you guys did not disappoint. We had hundreds upon hundreds of responses. So John and I compiled a a good list And instead of going through the minutiae, even though that's kind of what we're about, we thought we'd go with the the overall number one that everybody kind of agreed on was the sleaziest way to get a date on the show was Jerry getting Lena's name off the AIDS walk list. Yeah, that's (laughs) that is one of the sleaziest things that I've ever heard of. And I mean, like. He wasn't trying to be a sleazeball, but he's wanted this girl's number for a long time. And there it is right there. Just a man of opportunity. You know, he just got did, back from buying a speedboat. I think it became with a Q. No, he, she didn't seem to mind. I think she got more upset because his pants were 32. <laughs> he lied about that. He's a liar. <laughs> but he lied yeah. about the, the AIDS walk thing, too. So I don't know what her standards are. Yeah, it's a sliding scale. I think that what was the number the number two that people chose was George using a pick of man hands to get sympathy for the dead fiance. Yeah, and telling the the dead fiance story with the 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 Clinique ad or the man hands picture. There were a lot of responses, and a lot of people picked a lot of the same things, but we did have a lot of other responses that were fairly original. Did you want to just read them alternately from the top of the list? All right, so. We'll start just listing off all the ones that everyone came up with and let us know if you agree, disagree, give us your opinions. Yeah, let us know if you think they count or not, because some of these I just came up with by figuring them out and I think they count, but they might not count. They're just funny. So in no particular order, the first one we have was Elaine trying to convert uh, someone over to the quote unquote their team uh, in the beard episode. Then we have Jerry getting a date with someone from the Pacific Rim just because he thinks that they're Chinese. Donna Chang. Next, we have the switch Jerry trying to get with the more attractive or personable roommate by yeah. pulling the roommate switch. She just he just wanted someone that laughed at his jokes. After that, we have George dating Diane Ducan by, by keeping on with the lie that he's a marine biologist. 
where he could have just said, Jerry's a jokester, you know, <laughs> I'm not yeah, a marine he, biologist. He doubled down and went into the mollusks. Plankton, obviously. Then we have the leave behind George putting the big Russian hat behind the pillow so he could acquire a second date. Costanza. We got Kramer stealing Slippery Pete's mail order bride. Doesn't give you the right to make out with her. <laughs> How about Elaine creeping on John John at the gym? John John. Uh, yes. John John. John John. We got paying Becky Gelke off in the Good Samaritan. That's G E L K E. <laughs> You're so, you are so good. good looking. Thank you. How about Elaine asking everybody about the guy at the health club and inadvertently ending up with Jimmy? Jimmy's not threatened by Hank's sexuality. Jimmy's happy for Hank. (laughs) You have Elaine and Vincent. So Elaine literally almost falling head over heels for a guy at the video store because they share the same taste in movies. And then the same thing could be said for her with James, the call center guy. Just because he has a nice sounding voice. We have George converting to Latvian Orthodox for a woman. That's the group that goes around mutilating squirrels. How about George wearing a wedding band to try to pick up women? It's just a sociological experiment. We have George leaving Jerry and Elaine in Long Island to hook up with his coworker, just leaving them stranded. It doesn't even matter if that's part of the code. They could have dropped them off somewhere. I'm sorry. That's scummy. Yeah, if you're going back to the city, you got to bring folks back from Long Island. How about Elaine wanting to date Roy again because he lost weight? <laughs> so, Elaine, where are we going on a big date? <laughs> <laughs> How about Jerry and Elaine waiting out a, a couple different marriages? That's a, That's a really good one. How about Kramer and Newman trying to persuade Pam in the bookstore? Do I smell? (laughs) Do I smell? Panty. In that same episode, everyone getting vasectomies. He's getting his vasectomy reversed. (laughs) Reversed? (laughs) How about, uh, thanks a lot, I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time. What am I going to do, go out with a guy because he can get me a deal on a box of nails? George trying to date the girl so he can get a 13 week, 13 week <laughs> extension. <laughs> oh gosh, this guy, Todd Gax bets. Was that Dutch? <laughs> like smoking a same, chicken bone. Who do you bet was in Star Wars? Sam and Davis Jr. <laughs> How about, uh, does this count? George dating the cleaning woman, Evie. Is getting he... drunk, getting drunk at the office with the cleaning woman. That's a pretty bad way to get a date. Yeah, that's a bad. Was it? I think it died after the initial Hennigan's induced hookup. <clears throat> well, he gave her the the sweater. Yeah, and then it kept going. But I mean, as I'll far as it. the as far as the original way to get the date, <laughs> Jerry and Gina and the suicide. That's pretty sleazy on yeah, both of their accounts. The guy's the guy's in a coma. I do not care. I wish he was dead. <laughs> you will tell me about the Stooges? I will tell you about the Stooges. How about... Uh, it's kind of a cute Nazi, though. <laughs> in the She's limo. a Nazi, George. <laughs> a Nazi. 
how about George trying to date Marissa Tomei during when he's with Susan and then after she passes away. I got the funeral on Friday, but after that. <laughs> That's a good one, too. How about George dating the woman because he says God bless you to her? He has the affair with her. An affair? It's so adult. Like William Holding. Stockings. <laughs> George going rock climbing with Tony. I mean, that's a, a mandate for sure. For sure, but he definitely, that was a bad way to go about it. Yeah. You know? How about Elaine going out with Fred because he doesn't remember her? And then you have Russell joining Greenpeace just for Elaine. I'll tell her your name, matey. I'll tell her your rota. <laughs> Uh, George going after Jody the masseuse. She just dislikes me so much. I can see that. How about Kramer going out with Olive just because she's got those long nails and can soothe his back itch? <laughs> I like that one. I, I, I like that one a lot. I liked Olive a lot, too. I thought they made a good couple. Agreed. How about Banya getting the soup date for the suit? Ooh, a, a dinner for an Armani suit. You're not going to get a better deal than that. You ever been to Mendy's? Ooh, ooh. The best swordfish, Jerry. The best. Oh, and uh, this next one, this guy, was like kind of like a creepy Martin Short doppelganger. The the pencil store guy with, oh, I know the role of Mac 1000. You know, I'm sure you do. <laughs> How about the rabbi when he's like, well, some of my parishioners have a cabin in Myrtle Beach. We can go down there after the high holidays. Elaine? Yeah, Elaine's coming with some sort of personal strife, and he's hitting on her. <laughs> She's a shiksa. Yeah. Driving pretty hard to the hoop. The shiksa is a myth, like the Yeti or his North American cousin, the Sasquatch. <laughs> George taking out Carl the Exterminator, just so Mr. Morgan thinks he has black friends. Besides us, you don't have any white friends either. Such a great line. How about Ramon just showing up at Jerry's apartment? It's the pool guy pop in. Hey, you crazy guy. Just thought I'd check you out. Jerry willing to lie on the stand for Sue Ellen Mischke. That's desperate, man. Well, he could have been a millionaire. He could have been a candy bar millionaire. I love her whole freewheeling attitude. How about Newman with the farm girl, Susie? I love him, Daddy. I Nautilus, of course. <laughs> you got George dating the carrot to get rid of Mora. I am caught in my own web of lies. My serious girlfriend and my torrid love affair. <laughs> How about George pretending to be a tourist from Little Rock, Arkansas? <laughs> Those buttocks of those chinos are <laughs> unusually worn. <laughs> uh, George being the bad boy. Bullaga. Bullaga in a movie, baby. This your fiber con? Get out of my way. <laughs> I love that part. You got George and photo store Sheila and then Hello. photo store Ron trying to get with George as well. <laughs> well, hello, photo store Sheila. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and th these next, we'll, we'll group these next couple together. Peterman 
You would think Peterman does okay in the relationship department. He tells Elaine to throw herself in the mix when she's writing his autobiography. And then (laughs) Peterman claiming he had a relationship with the fake Susie. And it was pretty good. (laughs) I love that guy. How about Elaine pimping herself out to the adoption guy to try to get Beth and Arnie a kid? We can either do this the hard way or the fun way. Uh, (laughs) Elaine plans to keep Putty in reserve until she finds out if the Wiz can, quote unquote, handle the workload. (laughs) Kramer yelling, hey, ladies, how about a little supplemental restraint? I really wish we we knew what they replied back to him to maybe again have that such terrible reaction face. <laughs> How about Milosh's wife seducing Jerry to keep Milosh's secret? There's got to be an easier way. <laughs> How about when Dr. Foot puts his hand on Elaine's heart? He's a doctor, Jerry. A podiatrist. George got into podiatry school. Really? All right. How about George getting to mate in the zoo when he's abducted by aliens? <laughs> I think I got to go zoo. Put me with a woman. I don't do a whole lot. <laughs> the last one I had on the list was it was a deleted scene from the Frogger where Kramer gets that police tape from his cop buddy, Doug. And he is going around the city and he's putting it in places and he meets that woman in a restaurant And he eventually corrals her into a place. And he's like, so how are you doing? And he's like, to me, that's pretty creepy. But they cut it out of the show. That's a good one. That's all we have on our list. So I'm sure there are plenty more. (laughs) But this was literally you put out the call last night. And we decided to record early, a day early. And we still got a decent amount of replies. Much appreciated, everybody. Yes, please keep them coming. We'll we'll try to put out a call for every episode. Why not? You know, and we, we love having everybody involved. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I've been told by multiple people that have replied that lists are great. Let's we want lists. We want lists. Give us lists. So lists you shall have. We'll and if we time lists. if we time it right, I can run something on Seinfeld episodes to where we can you know, pull off some clips or or do something interactive and fun like that. So if you have any suggestions, just let us know. Well, the next scene, we're in Jerry's apartment and they're playing Scrabble. Well, what we've discussed in the previous episode, that we weren't sure if the outside shot of a Shelly shows Jerry's apartment being on the fifth floor or not. Unless they count the basement level as the floor, the light is on in the fourth floor apartment. So it's one thing we'll just have to keep in mind. Well, in future, I'll keep an eye out. So now we find ourselves in Jerry's apartment in the evening and Jerry and Helen are playing Scrabble and Helen is obviously struggling a little bit. I have no letters. Um, oh, 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 oh. Ma, will you go already? What are you doing? Wait, I just want to see something. You can't look in there. We're playing. Hi. Hi. Good evening, Mr. Kramer. Hey, Marty. Salad dressing? Look, 
quo. Is that a word? Maybe. Will you challenge it? Ma, you can't look up words in the dictionary. Dad, she's cheating. Whoa, that's not a word. You're such a stickler. Well, put something down. You're taking 20 minutes on this. So is Uncle Mac and Artie, they're all coming over here before the wedding? They'll be here at 2 o'clock. Oh, Elaine called. She said she'd be here at 2.30. And she says, hope your meeting went well with Art Vandalay. <laughs> she said what? Just what I said here. She knows. Oh, I am such a jackass. <laughs> What? She knows the whole stupid thing, Vanessa in the elevator. No, 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 that won't do it. He may have the Z. So how did she find out? Because Vanessa probably told Pamela. And Pamela probably told Elaine. So, uh, what are you, afraid of her? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> what else did she say on the phone? Whatever I wrote down. Yeah, but how, what was the tone in her voice? How did she sound? Who am I, Rich Little? Well, she can't be too mad. She's still coming to the wedding. Yeah, but now I'm nervous. Oh, yeah. stop it. Quone? 30, 31, 32. Quone? No, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to challenge no, that. No, no, you don't have to challenge that. That's uh, a word. That's a definite word. I am challenging. Quone! To clone something. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not playing with you anymore. Clone's not a word. No good. Sorry. There it is. Get it off. Why did you make me put that down? No. We need a medical dictionary. If a patient gets difficult, you clone them. The mere idea of playing Scrabble with just one other person and 20 minutes between turns seems excruciating to me. You know, and the so. whole time, obviously, Morty is doing something as equally riveting, just sitting there shining his shoes. I mean, I have a couple pairs of shoes that might require a shine, but I never shine my own shoes. I don't have any shoes that are in need of a cobble. <laughs> I have a lot of sneakers. But yeah, and also, this is the first time we hear someone call Kramer Mr. Kramer. So we know it's his last name. Oh, good call. And Kramer starts smacking Helen on the back, and he's like, yeah, that's, that's the word right there. And he's just eating a big, like, iceberg salad out of a big piece of Tupperware. So is that his Tupperware, or is that Jerry's Tupperware? I think he foraged, so now he's eating Jerry's leftovers, too. It, it could be just some random person in the building's Tupperware, too, because he could... He could probably be going into everybody's apartment. We don't even yeah, know. You're probably right. He probably does just kind of meander throughout the and see who's home. That's probably why Jerry didn't know Phil lived there in that one episode, because people just it's like, this guy keeps coming into our apartment randomly. It's like, you know, and they moved out. <laughs> you know, and Phil moves it. Yeah, exactly. Quone. If a patient's getting difficult, we quone him. You need a medical yeah. dictionary here. That's one of my favorites. No, you need a medical dictionary. <laughs> Uh, Jerry and Helen are arguing about Scrabble. That seems very unlike them to yeah, argue, it's, especially about something. Yeah, especially about that, you know. And then Helen gets mad at Kramer for telling her that quone is a word. She's yeah, like, like why did you tell me to put that down? Exactly. Like, smacking at him. Like, Helen, you haven't done anything for 20 minutes. Kramer's trying to get the ball rolling here. 
And then I love when Jerry gets the message from Elaine of until Art Vandalay and he he knows he's busted and he's like, I am such a jackass. And hey, you know, how did how did he think that was gonna turn out? Really? Yeah. Yeah, you knew that wasn't gonna stay a secret. So the next day they're in Jerry's apartment. You wanna get some funny material? You gotta come down to where I work. There's a sitcom. <laughs> you must have quite a time down there. <laughs> We got plenty of time. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just waiting for someone. Watch what you say to this guy. He'll put it in his next act. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jerry, did I tell you that I'm writing a book, an autobiography? Yeah, Uncle Mac, you mentioned it. It's based on all my experiences. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Could you excuse me one second? Oh, sure. I'm sorry. How do you do, uh, Jerry Seinfeld? Oh, how do you do, Elaine Bennis? <laughs> um, do you want to do this now, or you want to wait till we get in the car? Oh, no, let's do it now. All right, the whole elevator business, let me just explain. Okay. Jerry, are you going with us? Uh, no, I'm going to take my car. That's why I brought the wagon. Why the hell did I bring the wagon? <laughs> anyway, you know why I didn't ask you? I mean, I felt so uncomfortable, and you were so annoyed in the cab. Well, Jerry, I never saw you flirt with anyone before. It was quite the spectacle. Jerry, we'll see you there. Bye, okay. Elaine. Oh, bye. Good to see you. <clears throat> but we didn't meet. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Elaine. This is my cousin, Artie Levine. Levine. Artie. Artie. Come on. Yeah, Levine. And I'm Jerry Cougar Mellencamp. <laughs> anyway, I admit it was a fairly ridiculous thing to do, but I mean, I mean, obviously we have a little problem here. Yeah, obviously. I mean, if we're gonna be friends, we gotta be able to talk about other people. Couldn't agree more. Good. 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 Great. Great? <laughs> Where do you get great? It's great to talk about other people. Guys. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, anybody specific? No. A general guy. Oh, really? Elaine Marie Bennett. What? No, it's not a big deal. No, that's great. No, Terrific. We, no, we just met. Doesn't matter. What's the young man's name? I would like to meet him. I don't think so. Well, what does he do? Is he an artisan, a craftsman, a laborer of some sort? Wall Street. Ah, high finance. Bulls, bears, people from Connecticut. And he happens to be pretty good looking. All right, sir. And he's hilarious. Now, that's not fair. So where did you meet this guy? I staked out his health club. Uh-huh. When you're on a stakeout, do you find it's better to stand up against the wall or kind of crouch down behind a big plant? Why would they need to meet there? What's the point in parking on a main street in New York City and then going up to the fifth floor into a small apartment to meet there just to leave again? Especially for Artie, who's driving a station wagon. Could you imagine maneuvering a station wagon around New York City? And then he asks if he's going with them. He's like, well, why did I bring the wagon? Wouldn't they have figured this out ahead of time that they weren't doing any of this? I mean, I guess there's no cell phones and everything's... 
I don't remember it being that hard to communicate back then. No. You know? Agreed. There's such a lack of communication with this group of people. <laughs> I love the introduction to Artie Levine. Levine. Yeah, not Artie Jerry Levine. Levine. Island camp. <laughs> you have Uncle Mac trying to, like, hawk his autobiography. It's about all my life's experiences. Yeah, yeah. His face is great. <laughs> and talking to Art, what is it, Artie's wife too at the very beginning of the scene. And he's like, now where I work, that's a sitcom. I don't know. Like, uh, just like the, the, the quality of the conversation seemed to be super lacking. And like I said again, those were the only people upstairs. It was Mac and Artie and Artie's wife, Helen and Morty. And I'm assuming. Mac's wife was there too, maybe. I think I did see a lady in a black hat there. So yeah. there were all these people. But that's not enough people to warrant stopping by Jerry's house in the middle of the city. I don't like doing things that are unnecessary. Right. You know what I mean? You gotta it's be efficient in the city. Yeah. It, even when you're not in the city, you gotta be efficient. I got only so much time in my day. I got things to do, people to see. <laughs> Could you imagine this family to this extended family? It's got to be straight from Jerry's experiences of being a comedian to where everyone who thinks they have something even slightly comical happen in their life. Oh, we got to tell Jerry. He'd think that's hilarious. Yeah, he'll probably put it in his act. Yeah. I noticed when Elaine introduces herself to Jerry here, the captions on Netflix anyway. Two ends. Two N's, B-E-N-N-E-S. I thought that was weird. I didn't I didn't look on my DVDs because, God forbid, I should pop in a DVD. That's, like I said, too much work at this point. <laughs> that's so funny that you brought that up because that's the first thing that I noticed, too. <laughs> hey, we're going to pick at nits. They're going to be the smallest nits we can pick. <laughs> that's right. Another great part of this episode is obviously Elaine and Jerry seeing each other for the first time since the, the stakeout incident and... You know, coming to the agreement of, you know, if we're going to be friends, we need to be able to discuss, you know, future partners and whatnot. And her describing the this new fella she's seeing. Yeah, he's like, good, good. She's like, great, great. great. It's just like a it's kind of just a cute scene between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. We're going to be getting out of the cutesy stuff when it comes into it in the in the scheme of things. But. At the beginning, it, it kind of needs to be there to kind of show us where we've how we're growing in the show with the two of them and how they need to be able to get along as friends instead of a couple anymore. Next, we have stand up being friends after dating. You know, I think that even if you've had a relationship with someone or let's say especially if you've had a relationship with someone and you try and become friends afterwards, very difficult isn't this it's hard because you know each other so well you know you know all each other's tricks it's like two magicians trying to entertain each other you know and then one goes look a rabbit the other one goes so i believe that's your card look why don't we just saw each other in half and call it a night okay i thought this was a pretty good bit i i like the analogy he uses of you know when you're when you're friends after you break up you know each other's quirks and tricks and and buttons and whatnot and it was like two magicians trying to impress each other yeah i, I got this so what <laughs> yeah. 
I believe this is your card. No, it's definitely the the standup is definitely getting better, and it obviously gets better and better. And having a little bit more to do with the actual episodes, and not so much just random standup in between. We will get a few things like at the beginning of the stall, he talks about whales, which that makes no sense at the beginning of the stall. But I mean, for the most part, the standup starts to match the actual show, and that's a better for a lot of things going forward. Agreed. And I thought the standup was pretty good throughout the whole episode, aside from, you know, my my beef with the platonic bit, but I'll let it slide. Yeah, I mean, like overall, that bit wasn't horrible, but yeah, it, it is a little lazy. Lazonic, if you will. It's a lazonic standup bit. <laughs> Thankfully, there aren't too many of those in this show. Well, Adam, it's always a pleasure talking with you about Seinfeld, man. I hope we can get some more of our followers and listeners to chime in on what they think maybe we can improve on the show or anything, really. Any kind of input is great, and you can call us at 5Seinfeld6, and you can also DM us or just contact us on our pages, Seinfeld Episodes and Surrealfeld, or Ruining Seinfeld. Yeah, we love hearing from everybody, so let's keep the communication coming. Yeah, and we have some really good fans and followers out there. I, I, I love that they feel they, they can just contact us and talk to us about anything Seinfeld related. Absolutely. Well, anyway, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And here's to feeling good all the time. Ruining Seinfeld is not endorsed by Castle Rock Entertainment, Sony Pictures, or NBC. It is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All names, music, logos, and pretty much everything else belong to the aforementioned companies. If you think you can help us ruin Seinfeld, call us at 5Seinfeld6. Be sure to give us the episode title and a brief description. Follow us on social media at Ruining Seinfeld. And if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your platform of choice. Or not. The ball is in your court. Thanks for listening. Double goodbye. Pure Guano.